I own a light inside of me. There is light. There is faith. And I, I help people to see themselves and to see the light they have inside because I recognize it. So when I see the light in someone else, I love to do the trip or the journey with him or with her. Welcome to the podcast, Being All of Us. It's great to have you here. My name is Brian David George, and my mission is to inspire you to become an agent of change in your own life through the stories of people like you from around the world who are on a journey of self-discovery and inclusion. I believe that these conversations will lift you up and help you to uncover your potential and to become your higher self. So sit back, go for a walk, a run, a drive, whatever works for you, and enjoy some time to get to know more about yourself. Welcome to the Being All of Us podcast. Today I have a very special guest, Antoine Passera. <laughs> you can correct my pronunciation on that. Antoine, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure, my dear Brian. So Antoine, let's start off the way that we always start off with hearing a little bit more about you. It would be great for you to tell us about your story. Who are you, Antoine? Where do you come from? I was born in Lyon, in the middle of France. I grew up there. And uh, at the age of uh, 18, I left to study uh, high school in Toulouse, the south of France. From there, I started to work in the U.S. during a few years in New York. At the time, I worked in marketing for the Denon company, the Denon Group. And they offered me a job in Barcelona, in Spain. And I came to Spain. It was in uh, 96, so 25 years ago. Since then, I, well, I've been living here in, in Barcelona, working at the beginning in marketing for many years, for like almost 10 years for the Denon Group. I think it was in 2003, I started to take pictures in New York because most of my friends in New York were photographers. I can explain you later how, what, what happened truly, but to make it more simple, I started to take pictures in New York, arrived in, in Barcelona, worked in Danone at the same time, was taking photographies of the rural world, countryside. So in Castilla Leon, Galicia, and Extremadura, where people still live out of their own land, a very like laid back countryside farmers and i started to work on weekends and then i asked danon to give me like a half part-time job in marketing it was completely new for danon but they accepted so i was living in the house of the priest because the priest was the only person able to connect with those people in the countryside they were really like they would not trust anybody but the priest is like the policeman the judge the cycle the, the, the psychologist is like multifunction no so introduced me to many of those of those persons and and i discovered something amazing with photography that like a few kilometers out of my house i could have someone of my age uh, who would receive a picture of him a portrait of him and would not recognize who was on the image so someone who could live in a house with his animals without any mirrors and without any self-conscious of what he looks what he looks like wow. except when he was going to the river in on sunday to shave so he could see more or less a reflect of himself in the in the river but that's it 
And I thought, wow, it's so interesting, no? And it helped me to understand many things and to, I don't know, to, to see life through a new angle. And yogurts are great, but yogurts are always yogurts. And uh, they could not bring me so many so much knowledge as this man in the in the far countryside of Spain. Yogurt, as in like your job, you're you're referring to, right? Yeah, yeah, yogurts okay. were my job. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was I was working in marketing for Danone for the yogurts uh, division. So um, after a few years, I decided to quit Danone, and um, and with Exhibit that we're starting, I, I decided to just dedicate myself fully to photography. And I've been a photographer for the last, uh, uh, yes, 20, 15 years. That's a little bit the, the story from the surface of, of my life. I want, wow, there's so much that I could ask you about there. I want yeah. to ask you, though, about maybe your first interest in photography. I imagine, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Was, maybe there was an interest before I don't, tell me yeah. about your interest in photography. When did you start? Was it back when you were a child in Lyon? Ah, yeah, this, is, this is a good question because very often they ask me about where my interest for photography started. And I usually forget to mention it. And this is the key. The key are the family albums. I could spend hours in my house. My mother would every year, uh, you know, just glue some pictures with and explain a little bit what's what's on the image, no? Since like two years before she got married with my, with my father and all our childhood with my brothers, where I have two brothers, is recorded with images and few words of my mom in like 20 albums, I would say, or 25 albums. And I remember that I could spend hours there just looking at, uh, I think it was more nostalgia of the time that has passed nostalgia when i was 15 or 16 years old it's crazy huh but i think i already had felt this you were this born an old soul yeah exactly right? i was born an old soul exactly so i think it started there but i never never took a picture before the day i bought one in new york never i bought a camera in new york because a friend asked me to, to and buy how, a old, camera. how old were you when you went to new york I arrived in New York in 94, 95, 96. I spent almost, well, two years. So I was 23. And you went to New York. You got yourself your first camera. And what did you start taking photos of? I think it, I started, it was not about the picture really. Well, a little bit. It was more about the mood. In New York, I used to uh, run to go from one place to another. Always thinking of the place where I was going. And when I had a camera, I started to think that it was not really about where I was going, but more what would happen in my way to the place where I was going. Like uh, an open door that I could open and I couldn't just... I have, I have a tool, I felt that I have a tool that I could share an open door, uh, like a, a place I would not have entered before. I had an excuse to do it. And there's something about it that just changes me. Curiosity, I think. It's like you discovered, well, that no, curiosity is, is yeah. definitely an ingredient there. Curiosity and the fact that I could, I, could, uh, I could hide behind the camera. So I could see things that I, I would not be able to hold before, to sustain alone with my eyes. And be, behind the camera, you can seduction, 
violence, pain, all those things that I wanted to see that could not hold, I could not sustain. Through a camera, you can see it. I mean, it protects you. It's like a layer of protection between you it is. and it that, is. that thing that's hard to see in the world. Yeah. So you started seeing the world differently when you were about 23 years old in many different ways. Right. Yes. May, I think it'd be interesting to hear more about that experience. You know, as a 20, had you been out of France before then, before you went to New York for any amount of time, I guess? Like trouble, you mean? How'd you spend When I was 16, I, I went on an exchange program. You know, I spent a month in Germany. Had you ever yeah, done yeah, anything? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I spent a month and a half in India when I was 6, 17. I studied for also like vacation in the US a few times. Yeah, I've, I've traveled quite a lot. So you had already been exposed to a world beyond where you were born. Yes, yes. So maybe, maybe I'd like to hear a bit more about that. What was it like for you the first... In your first experiences as a young person leaving, you know, the world that you knew and seeing that the world was actually much bigger than, than just your hometown, your backyard. What was it like for Antoine to go to India at, you said, 16 or 17 years old? That's pretty yeah, far from 17, home. 17, yeah. Yeah, but I was so excited. I think I always, I always loved the idea to see how people could live in a place very different from mine and to feel lost a little bit. You know, this, how can we feel this being lost? I think for me, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very positive thing. It's not a negative feeling. It's not, it doesn't scare me. Uh, it's the opposite. No, it's just be lost. It obliges you to just open your eyes much more, open your ears. You have to connect much more with your surrounding because you're lost. When you are in your routine, it's very easy to just shut down everything. And you just put the automatic mode, but when you're lost, no. You know, that's like the feeling like if you're, you're, you're in the woods and there oh. are animals, you know? <laughs> that's so funny. I was just going to say that reminds me of when I was a young kid and my dad used to take us into the woods to get lost with a compass in our hands so that we could find our way back. You know, it's so funny that you <laughs> are talking about the same thing in a different context. And what is, what is amazing in life is now I discover that what your dad is, was giving you is not even useful. I think what is beautiful is being lost. You don't have to find your way back. There's no way back. I mean, you don't have to come back where you come from. There's no I way back. This. No. Tell us more about that. What, what do you mean when you say there's no way back? The way back is the way you already know, is the return to a place you're, you were already. And what is beautiful about life is when you're open, when you surrender, what is very difficult, but beautiful, is when you're able to, to surrender and to walk a new way, not to come back home, just to leave home and to travel and to discover to go through places you were, you were scared maybe to cross, but, but through this journey, there's so much to learn no? about yourself, about your, even, even your home. It's called the journey of the hero. I mean, I don't know if you read Joseph Campbell, but. <laughs> so this has come up so many times recently, and yeah, yeah. I think it's a great segue into something because I feel extremely fortunate and privileged to be able to live where I live and to 
you know, I was, it was possible for me to have this journey, you know, maybe not with a silver spoon in my mouth. I don't know if you know that expression. Like I didn't have like lots of wealth and I still had the conditions that allowed me to come to where I'm living now and to prosper in whatever way that means. So I'm wondering how you can maybe talk about that, this hero's journey, let's say, for people who don't have that same privilege that you and I have. What, you know, because I totally, I get what you mean when you're talking about the benefits of leaving home, of having space to grow as a person, of discovering the world. And I say that I want everyone to have that. Yes. And then I'm like, and there are a lot of people who will never have that opportunity because of their conditions, because of who they are, because of their social or economic class, because of their skin color, because of their religion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think is a way for that journey to happen when your body won't let you move the way that our bodies have let us move? Well, the thing is, I don't know if I have, uh, I could tell you what I feel. I don't know if it's an answer, but it's always better to experience the distance, the physical distance, so to travel with your body to make this journey, but you can make this journey at one kilometer out of your place. In photography, for instance, I discovered that I used to travel a lot in many countries all over the world uh, and take pictures of beautiful fishermen in the in Le Lake, in Myanmar, or uh, what was happening in, in Africa, in Ghana. And, and I thought those images were powerful because they were different from my, my routine. And then you can make another journey, taking a portrait of your neighbor that you thought you knew and you never knew. And then she tell you about another journey you can make. It's a journey inside of yourself, no? It's a journey into your values into your uh, education you received, what you thought was, was truth and is not. There's so many ways to travel. I mean, it's, it's true that a physical change, when you, when you put yourself in a very different atmosphere with different people, different landscape, it's, it's easier because you're more permeable. But you can, you can do that in your own house. You can do that through the people you meet. You can do that through the space you want to give to yourself. There's so many ways to travel now. I don't know if I answer your question, but uh, I remember, be, I, I, I love to, to, to tell this story because it's, uh, it moves me a lot. And it has to see with those neighbors that I, I started to, to take pictures of because I thought maybe I don't need to travel that far and I could find a subject that is here next to me. It's just a question of opening your eyes, no? To, to or your ears or whatever. And then I started to take pictures of old people who were living alone. The project was called 14 Kilometers uh, because I did it in Morocco and in Spain. And it was a portrait of all of elder, elderly people living alone. And how here in, in Spain, we leave the old people alone dying. And how in Morocco, there are much more respect. I was trying to put that in, in comparison, which was not very intelligent, but was the idea. And one of the old woman I was taking pictures of in Barcelona became like a, a grandmother for me, a real grandmother, uh, even more than a grandmother, because you, you could share things that the pressure or the nuts in the family disappear. So you can be much more open and just share everything. 
we talked about everything, sex. Uh, she was 92. She was living alone and she was a yoga teacher. Or she used to be a yoga teacher. And one day I remember I, all my life, we can, we can talk about that later, but I was afraid about death. My own death, death of people I care for. And one day I wanted to speak with her about death. So I called her and I said, uh, Maria, I would love to have tea with you this afternoon. Can I come with a microphone and just let's uh, record a conversation? I just don't, I don't want to do just, just pictures. I want to talk about death and have your opinion. And I mean, your opinion is very worthy for me. So she said, yeah, sure. Come, come. And I came. It was, I think it was seven in the afternoon. So we talked about death and she, she, we were in her small apartment in Gracia. And she told me, Antoine, just, um, I don't really worry because I know how I'm going to die. I would be in my bed in the, in the bedroom next to this salon. Mm -hmm. The living room. Yeah. The living room. I would have like heart pain. So I would stand up. I would sit here and in this sofa. I would do my yogi breathing. And this time it would not work. And the neighbor in the morning would just ring the bell with her voice. She's always scared to see me dead. So she would just call. And, and this time... She will find me dead in the sofa. So I'm not scared. I know how I'm going to die. And it doesn't scare me at all. And I, I recorded this. And I remember, I don't know if it's exactly the day after or two days after when someone in her family called me and said she, that the neighbor find her dead in the sofa. So maybe, the, maybe not exactly, but maybe the last word that she used was explaining her own death without any fear. And this, this happened next to my house. I think this is why in life, they're, they're, if you open your heart, your eyes and everything, you can receive so much. You don't have to travel that far. That's a very beautiful story. <laughs> yeah, it is. Maria. Maria. I find it very inspiring to see that. I guess. Can I say, can I say her name once? Because of course. I used her name once, but not her full name. Maria Casanovas. You know, that's funny that you say that. I remember, ah, saying a person who has passed on's full name is like honoring them. And it's actually something that I think we are using more nowadays. And I remember the first time I ever heard anyone do that. When my grandmother passed away, my father's mother, she and I had a very, very close relationship. And I remember being in a, <laughs> in a dance class and I came in late that day because, you know, I just found out that she had passed away and I was sad. And we had a very good relationship among the people in that, that class. And I came in and I was sad and I said, my grandma passed away. And the, and the teacher asked me, well, what was your grandmother's name? And I said her full name. And he didn't say anything else after that. But I understood that that was a way of honoring her life to say her name. So we're now honoring Maria. What was her last name? Maria Casanova. Maria Casanova is an inspiration. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's true. That's amazing. Maria Casanova. I can see her smiling. <laughs> Who else has inspired you maybe besides Maria Casanova? I feel like, well, I, I'm saying I think she's inspired you. I, I don't know if she has or not. I think so. Who else in your yeah, life has did, inspired uh, you? Oh, so many people. I think I'm, I'm, I'm growing as a person through other people. This is where I learn more from. Right now, I would say our group, our group of men is the most inspiring thing for me. So for people who are listening, Antoine and I know each other. 
from a, a men's group here in Barcelona on like a personal growth group where we, I've never talked about this in English before. I don't know how to describe it. We are unlearning what the world told us it means to be men. And we are learning to be the type of men that we were born to be. Does that sound pretty fair to wow. you? Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the context that we know each other from. It's a men's group for any men. Any men, but, but I think what you didn't say that is very important is, is also a space, a safe space. And I think it's sometimes we have to be careful because we, we don't recognize the other as one of the, tri of the tribe. And with this person, you have to be careful with what you share because it can hurt you. In this group, there is a real tribe. We are all of the same tribe. So we have this safe space. We can really just be honest and be sincere. And open-hearted. There's and trust. Yeah. Yes, trust each other. Yeah. So you were going to say that somebody so from that, that group inspires you, maybe. Well, you inspired me. Uh, ah. I think the, the entire group inspired me in many ways. Lately, I think it's what inspired me most. What have you seen lately that has helped you feel this way more than in the past? Ah, it has a lot to do with my photography because I told you that when I started, I discovered that uh, I could hide behind something. And all my life, they told me that I was a window photographer. There are two types of photographers. You have the window photographers and you have the mirror photographers. So the window photographer is, is looking outside things that, that he cannot look inside. And the mirror photographer is just showing to the world what he sees inside of him or, or her. He doesn't need the outside world to show and to express what he feels. The window photographer needs the world outside and just picture the world outside to express things that he doesn't even know is, that ha is happening inside of him. I'm a window photographer. And with the group, what I discover is you're all mirrors. What you share with me is a, is a piece of me, always. There's always a piece of me in any conversation. And I think it's what's more inspiring. You now you help me to discover or to create these puzzles of pieces that I don't know where to put them. You know, even, even I think you even just put some light on what is on the piece of the puzzle. I didn't know where to put it because I didn't know what, was, what it represented. And you put, you put words on it. You know, uh, I'm listening to you say that. It reminds me so much of this um, woman who I've been following recently. I'm reading her book right now. It's called See No Stranger by Valerie Cower. And she talks about how everyone we meet is a piece of us that we don't know yet. Right. And that's how it just it's I wish you guys could see Antoine's face because like smiling and nodding and like, yes, that's right. That's it. Because, you know, illusion, the separation is an illusion. It really is. And, you know, however deep you want to go into that, it, you know, everybody has their own, I guess, access to that. And, and I really have experienced it in my life. It's true. Like we are not separate. We are actually all, you know, interconnected. And I think it's been very clear in the pandemic you know, how interconnected our world really is. And so it's really, when we go into this interconnectedness and we start seeing each other as a mirror and trying to discover with curiosity the part of me that I don't know yet, which is you, it's hard 
and it's painful and it's vulnerable and it's amazing and fantastic. You know, it makes it really, it's moving. It's so moving to discover myself in you and to see that we are all the same underneath our differences and to celebrate our differences, you know? So it's amazing for me to connect with a straight man the way that you and I have connected because I have not always been too good at connecting with straight men, you know? And it's really amazing for me. With me, you've been very good. <laughs> to connect with somebody on that level. And it's, it's just amazing. So I want to hear you talk about that more, about that, the mirror that we all are. And I, and I also think that maybe what you were saying about being a window photographer or a mirror photographer, I would even ask you to speak about how sometimes you can be a mirror photographer and sometimes you can be a window photographer and how both of those are important. What do you think? This is a, a subject where, where I have a lot of doubts. Because you said before, you, we can sometimes through, through connection with people, we can know more or learn more about ourselves. I would say that my, I don't know how to put a word on it, but my limitation is, my, is this difficulty that I have to connect with really with myself. I connect very easily with others. I always see my face in others and I have some very tough time to see inside of me. For me, it's easy to connect with others. It has been always simple because I have a lot of space. I think I don't judge. I love to receive. What is difficult is to, to put the light on what is really me. This is more complicated for me. So to be a, a, a mirror photographer is, is new. I always feel that I have nothing to say. I always feel that I, I, I can, I'm good to tell stories of others through my own filters, but it's never my story because my story doesn't have any interest. is lack of interest. That resonates a lot with me. And I feel like that might be a step towards connecting more with... Once we start to own our situation, then we can transcend it, right? And so um, I think that at least for me, start, you know, I, I remember saying those almost those exact same words. Like, I don't know what story I have to tell. You know, why do people want to listen to me? And kind of by owning that and saying, oh, wait a minute, what, you know, what do I have to share? And by asking that question is how we get closer to the answer, I think. And I, I want to hear you talk a little bit about what you have to share with the world. Because I feel, I, I, well, I know, huh, spoiler alert, I know something. I know that you're working <laughs> on, on a project and I feel like it's a project that actually has a lot to do with who you are and how you express yourself in the world. And so I want to hear you talk a bit more about your project that you're working on now and that yeah. as an expression of Antoine Passera. Yeah, hopefully this new project is, is this switch this, uh, this moment of you you own you own something and you want to share it instead of taking outside something for yourself i own a light inside of me there is light there is faith and i i help people to see themselves and to see the light they have inside because i recognize it we know we talk about something that we already shared but uh 
it's true. I, I, I feel that I can, I can surrender, which is not something easy. And if I surrender and I sink, I know that below there is light. It, 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 it scared me also when I say it a little bit, but, it's, but it's, I can feel it. So when I see the light in someone else, I love to do the trip or the journey with him or with her. And with my new projects, it's, so, it's about a revelation that I had when I was living in Bali with my family for a while. We lived there and I was taking pictures of people doing a, a ritual called Melukat. Those people use the water to purify themselves. They, they do it on a very regular basis, alone with their family, before wedding, in case of illness. The water is an element that, that is very important for me. All my life has been important for me. And uh, with this photographic project, as a window photographer, I was taking pictures of those people getting into, under the water and surrendering completely, not only physically, but emotionally, because you have to surrender to your thoughts, no? Like water is just something, is a resource. We need it to live, but you don't accept that it can be also much more than this. We are, in a molecular basis, we're 99% of water. We are water. Water is the origin of everything. So let's try to open a dialogue with water, not only to see it as a resource, but as an element you can understand who you are if you try to speak to the water like if it was something real. It is something um, real, right? Water is real. More, some, more than real, something that can teach you a lot about who you are, what you are. We always say, yeah, water is, is life. Okay. Even... I started to study in the scientific articles and, and documents and see biologists talking about water. There's so much mystery around this very simple molecule of two of hydrogen and one of oxygen, but we think it's very simple and it's so complicated. There's so many secrets. But I say, okay, I don't want to know about the scientific part. I want to know about the emotional part that I, that I feel with water. So how can I open a dialogue? And then this window photographer taking pictures one day, I think it's a big switch in my life. One day was stop to take the picture and just do the, the melukat. The melukat is the ritual. Uh, you get into the water, just surrender and let the water purify yourself. And I did it. And these days, for many reasons, I completely surrender. And I felt completely connected. The water showed me that I was connected to something much bigger than myself. And that this backpack that I was holding an OR wearing full of stones made of responsibilities and, and guilt and, and all those things that make me who I am, there are moments I can take this backpack and put it down. And this feeling, when I explain it with words, it sounds maybe stupid or, or very superficial, but just to feel it in your body is the revolution, is the cold. When I thought, oh, there is something inside of me that is beautiful. The water helped me to, and the water is the mirror. <laughs> yes. Literally. So when I, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, we have to be careful, but it can be also the mirror of Narcissus. I don't even mm. know the, the myth of Narcissus, no? <laughs> yeah. Looking at himself in the water and just looking at his own reflection. But, but in, in that case, it was not this. In this case, the water really was a, an intermediary, a moderator. 
and uh, open a huge space inside of me that I didn't know it would, it would exist. So when I came back in Barcelona with those pictures, I thought, I have to use water. I mean, the water cannot be only on the image. It has to be part of the image. And uh, I started to, to develop pictures. Ah, it's a crazy story, but I sacralize the water. So I take the water out of the, of the, the sea. I put it in a glass bottle. I talk to the water during a while, like a few mm, days. I love it. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I let the water hear music of vibration that I like, that is part of me. And most of it is, is one of the priestess in Bali that is very amazing. A priestess in Bali that is a water priestess. And she does, she does some mantra. So I, I just put some mantra in front of the bottle of water. And for me, the water is absorb a kind of positive vibration. And this is part of who I am also. So we connect through this. And this is the way for me to give to this water respect, no? Just giving her my love and my and a vibration that is important for me. And I, I, I know that the water can absorb this, this vibration. It has demonstrated. So it's not something new. And then when I get into the dark room with the printer, I go back to my intention to what the image bring me to. So it can be a moment, it can be a doubt, it can be an emotion, it can be a feeling. And in the dark, completely dark, listening to mantra in this dark room with the printer, I just put some water, put up this, put part of this water that I took out of the sea on the image. And then it, make, it makes a stain, uh, a form, a shape. And these shapes is an answer to your, this emotion that you have, this question, this doubt. It's an organic answer. And, and it's a beautiful journey. So I started to do, doing that. And, and, and some, a friend just saw the picture. And she said, oh, can I buy it? And I said, sure. But, and this friend is a writer. And she knows Bali very well. She went there. She started the journey that you and I have started of knowing better what is inside of us. And suddenly I thought, you know what? Why don't we put the water together? Why don't we go into the dark room? I explain you the ritual. I give you the water that I take out of the sea. You connect with this water. You speak to this water. You put some music to this water. You go with me in the dark room and both of us, with our hands, we put the water with one of your questions, your doubt, your emotion. So the image is your image. Your image talks about, about you. It's not mine anymore. And this experience was beautiful. Because from, you said, what I can be, I feel now that I'm useful for this. I can see my, the light inside of me. I can see the light in the other. And through art, through picture, I can, re, I can make visible what was invisible. You're sharing the light with your unique gift. Exactly. That sounds, it's, well, I don't know what it is. It sounds kind of magical, you know, however you understand or however anyone understands magic, it really does sound kind of magical to help people express things that they don't normally express or they don't have a tool to express it. And, you, and you're offering them a tool to express these things. And more to express, for me, the water is able to, like some, some exercise that we can do in our mm. group, the water access the unconscious. The water access a part of yourself that don't, even if you try to see, you, you, you cannot see. The water right. helps you to show you things. And this is the beauty of it. 
it's more than express, it's reveals. Wow. And that's right. I think in English, right? We say we reveal photo. Well, it's been so long since we revealed photos. Now everything is digital, but isn't it? Develop. Well, still, it's, it's the same. Well, develop also works, right? To yeah, develop. The water reveals, reveals things of, of, of your unconscious. No, there are many things that are unconscious. And uh, ah, it's a beautiful process. It's true. It's touching like magic or mystic uh, ritual spirituality yeah it's it's touching those frontiers no where we i love to go now you know you you mentioned the word spirituality and i think that's something that for a lot of people has a really bad rap like a bad reputation or maybe it sounds like something that well in my personal experience i think i related spirituality to religion and you know religion is a man-made institution whereas spirituality is just you, you talked about faith earlier. I really understand faith in, I guess, in a higher power or whatever. I don't, I'm comfortable saying the word God. I'm not sure, you know, what other people want to say, but I understand this faith in the universe. That's a pretty safe word for most people. It's not that I understand it. It's now like I'm living this faith in the universe. I have tapped into this light that we're talking about, you know, inside of us. And I am really, like, I just know that I can have faith in this. You know, it's not about understanding. It's just knowing. Like, I know this is what we're made of. You know, I know that this is what connects us. I know that this is what the world is made of, you know, and it feels right when we're walking on this path. It's just, there's no doubt when we're walking on this path, you know, there's no, it's just, it's faith because I feel it because it's in my bones. It's in my body. And I hear you talking about that. I'm like, yeah, Antoine, yes. If you are an instrument, which we all are in some way, you know, if you're an instrument, then trust the instrument. Yeah, it's just, just if you feel inside of you that you're connected with the other, just show them that we are connected. Just show them. Let them feel it. I mean, because you don't express that with words. Like you said, you felt it. We have to feel things. It has to go through the body, not through the mind. Okay. The mind, the, neo, the neocortex is like a jail. We, it's, it's like, no, we have to go out of the, of the mind, out of the neocortex. We have to get into the body. The body has a lot of things to say if we, have, if we, if we know how to listen. So maybe we could, I'd love to hear you speak a little bit about the man's journey of coming into feeling because I think that especially in the West, men are, we're not taught to feel. <laughs> we're taught not to feel. Could you talk a little, bit, a little bit about your personal journey into feeling? Or if you've always had that ability, it's always been easy for you? Or how, how is that for you? Not easy at all. <laughs> I think in my journey, I did, I did the first kilometer. It's just my diaphragm is blocked. I don't let emotion to really go through my entire body. It has been very recent since I, st I started to feel things. And, and it started this day in Bali. Truly, it started when I was 40, 47. Very late. I always felt empathy. I always felt out, feeling through, 
I always, it's, it's crazy, you know, it repeats the same story. You know, I, I can feel the emotion when I see the emotion outside of me, but not in, my, not in me. I block the emotion. And this day in Bali, the water just let me feel something that was completely new. Freedom, interconnection, light, peace, infinity. Something that is, that is inside of me, like inside of anybody. Any, anything in this planet is connected. Some people like Nasrim Aramein, that you should read if you didn't read him, talks about the unified field. All they call it love in religion. But there is a field we all connect with. Some, I love what some people name it, like the intention of the universe. The universe has an intention. And we are a representation of it. It sounds maybe like, I feel that when I share this conversation with people, sometimes they're, they don't want to talk about it because it doesn't interest them. It sounds too far away, no? And it's too far away when you don't feel it. But when you feel it, it's so close. It's, this is what changed everything. So we can help people to feel it, maybe. Now, yeah, I feel that I can help people to feel it. Or at least like with you, talk with someone that felt it. Yes. So we know we're talking about the same thing. And uh, when I say this word, you start to smile. If I use the same word with someone, with someone else, it would not smile. You would say, what? what sharing these stories, sharing these experiences is really important and powerful and empowering because it's, it gives us like a support network because this is the kind, I mean, everybody has the seeds of light or spirituality or whatever inside of them. And so the more safe spaces that we create where it's okay to talk about how I feel and the thing, like the faith I have in the universe and just, you know, being human and what that means, this, uh, on the unified field, you know, you just mentioned, or the fear of death, you know, it's a very human thing to be afraid of death. You talked about that earlier. It's a very human thing to be afraid of death. Why don't we talk about it more often, especially in the West? Like in other cultures, they do talk about death more than we do. We kind of avoid it. And then suddenly it comes and we're like, you know, we try to kind of bury yeah. it. Literally, we bury it quickly so we don't have to deal with it. Whoa, death is like, we all know it's coming. Let's talk about it. Let's talk more about that thing that connects us as human beings, you know, which is we all know that the end of our path is going to be like, when this body disappears. I think that your podcast can be very useful. Well, there, there's two ways to say it, no? Uh, a space where all people with the same faith can share this feeling. I think it's one option. The other one is how to bring people that are scared, that are suffering, and to help them a little bit, to take their hand and just walk wild with them. And I think where it can be useful your podcast is sincerity authenticity truth being naked or showing who we, who we are create trust and when there is trust there is engagement engagement is to surrender and you need trust to do this and you need sincerity to create trust so i think if your podcast if you have those open conversation and and through the light that you shine, you people show their own light, show them naked. People with trust. And if they trust, something maybe will happen and they will surrender also and let this, this light shine inside of them. 
you know, when you talk about the, the word surrender has probably come up about 10 times. So I guess it's time yeah, to ask yeah. you about surrender. <laughs> because I remember before I started the podcast, probably, probably about two months before I'd made the decision to start the podcast, I remember specifically one day I was journaling and I remember writing down, like, I surrender. I surrender. I want to be of service. I surrender to oneness, to the universe, to the light, whatever. And I think that had a big part of me actually saying, okay, I want to do the podcast. I want, I want to shine some light. You know, I want to, to be sincere and to invite people to, to, to be naked in the, you know, <laughs> not without our clothes. You know what I mean? Like to, to take off some of those layers and just say, hey, this is me. And, you know, and it's okay. We can be ourselves together. It's actually, we're actually so much stronger when we are ourselves. So. No, and, and, and even more when you show yourself naked without those layers, what do you see? You see the other and you see yourself. We go back to the mirror. I mean, you, you, can, you cannot ask someone to take those layers out if you don't do it yourself. I mean, trust is, is, is in this mirror effect, no? If you show me a Brian without layers, I will see an Antoine without layers. A guarded version of ourselves, right? I think I understand. I see that we're kind of coming around to the end of the time. And this is perfect because you're already doing what I'm going to ask you to do. <laughs> or you're, in, you're coming into it. You want, you want me to surrender? Well, I always end each episode with a challenge. And so I want to ask you to think of a challenge for the listeners. If we could maybe think of a way to challenge them to surrender, to become more comfortable with their authentic self, to trust other people more, to be more sincere. What's a, some little simple thing that you have done in your own life that has helped you to surrender that you could challenge people to do? Well, I, lately, I cannot think about something else than meditation. But I guess many people already do it, no? For me, that maybe, works maybe not. Is, for me, what works is um, surrender is to to disconnect from the mind and just feel, and to help me to feel and to help me to get out of the mind. It's the only way that I know for the moment is the breathing. It's something very common, no? but for me, it's the only way it works. The breathing, I do it. Well, there is something else. I mean, yeah, well, look, I'm talking about it, but I have another idea. So the, the main idea is meditation, obviously, because it works for me. The other one would be the swimming in open waters. So I would recommend people to start to swim to a place where they don't want to go because it seems too far. For some people, it can be 10 meters. For other people, it can be 100. For others, one kilometer. And just to swim into the water. And when you're swimming, all those fears, all those emotions that go through you, just feel them. Don't let them you go back to the, to, to, to the land. Just keep swimming. Go to a distance and just, just really sustain all those feelings, even if you don't like it. Take a distance that you think you can make it, even if it scares you a little bit. Just swim and have the water just... Connect, we connect you with all those feelings and just come back. And when you go back to the land, you will see what happened. This is the magic. That's a very good challenge. 
And I'm going to uh, say for those listeners who don't have water nearby, <laughs> uh, <yeah laughs> the meditation, <laughs> the meditation part is also a really good challenge. <laughs> well, maybe they have a river, they have a lake, right? A swimming pool. Hey, whatever it is, wherever, whatever access to water you have, swim a little bit further than you feel comfortable swimming and to see how it feels and to experience those feelings. And you can also do that metaphorically by swimming inside of you while meditating, right? To swim a little deeper inside where it's a little bit more uncomfortable and just feel the feeling. Yeah, well, there's even, even the, the, I don't know if you, you experienced it, no? When, you go, when you're in a, in a bathroom, you go under the water, all the sounds that just, just transform. Just this exercise is quite interesting too, you know, just in your bath, just go, just go under the water, just a few seconds, just to listen, listen to all the sounds inside, uh, inside of you and outside. In another life, you were a fish, I think, or a whale. Antoine was I'm a, a whale. whale in another life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. It's been so, it's been such an honor to have you Whoa. here for this conversation and to to listen to your story and to all of those things that are in your future, the, the, the brighter your light shines, the more you are going to resonate with people who are going to come to you and, and you're going to help them. So that's, it's just very oh, nice thank to you, be Brian, with you. Because, because it's thanks to people like you that my trust in myself is started to, you know, to be, to be a little more solid. To grow, to grow a little bit, and it's it's nice. I said, and I'd like to. I don't. I don't have nothing to say, and I always use pe other people's stories. And I spoke with you like for an hour about myself. <laughs> so uh, something I have to say, I guess. Yes, you have a, quite yeah. a story, <laughs> Antoine. All right. Thank you so much for being here. For more on Antoine, uh, I will put some links in the show notes so you can follow him and his work. Thank you, Thank you my friend. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you can feel the inspiration and passion that we put into this conversation and that it empowers you to be confident, compassionate, and courageous on your journey, on our journey to becoming all of us. If you enjoyed that conversation and you'd like to hear more, please be sure to click on subscribe or follow to get your weekly dose of inspiration. And remember to stop by and rate us with a five-star rating on the App Store. Leave your comments below. Let us know what it is that you enjoy about these conversations so that we can bring more of them to you. And stop by Instagram to follow us at the Being All of Us podcast. B-A-O-U podcast. Thanks to the group Bombadil for our intro music, Avery. And to Scott Gratton for our outro music, Motown is Yotown. Come join us again next week for more. Until then, shine bright, you beautiful soul. You are the change the world needs. Go out and shine.